Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. So uh, recently, I was at a burger establishment, and I, I noticed this really, really beautiful family, and I wanted to go over and tell them how beautiful they were. I mean, just it's mom, dad, four kids. But the most compelling thing besides their beauty, and let me just tell you this, when you walk up to a, a stranger, uh, you got to be careful if you say their kids are pretty, right? Because you got to be careful. <laughs> but I got to tell you, this mom was glowing. Uh, if you tell a mother her kids are awesome, come on. You tell a grandmother her kids are awesome, come on. Uh, so I, I let them know that their family was beautiful, but something happened with that family that really got me. Be- before they reached into their mound of french fries, dad reached out and grabbed mom's hand and grabbed his daughter's hand, and the family bowed their heads and they prayed and gave thanks to the food. Now that was a living illustration for me that God was the most important thing, even more important than the hunger that they had or those steaming french fries that were piled up in the middle of their table. Uh, this little video clip that I found uh, shows a young man who actually prayer became a catalyst for sharing his faith. It reminds me of Daniel. Last week we were studying him. Remember, three times a day he prayed. And the prayer of Daniel last week was pretty significant because they were told now through a law that the king had written that if anyone prays to anyone other than the king, that they'd be thrown into the lion's den. Remember that? And there's Daniel at the ripe old age of 82, and he opens up the windows of his upstairs bedroom with the curtains rustling in the wind, and he prays to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, and he knows that there are people outside that are trying to sabotage his life. They're jealous that this Jewish boy would now be a Jewish man who keeps getting promoted, and he would be leading in Babylon. He's been through three kings, three different kings, and all of the kings have seen his competencies, his character, and the fact that, man, he's so loyal. But one thing Daniel never did, catch this, he never denied his faith in God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't deny their faith in God. These were three of Daniel's best friends, They were thrown in a fiery furnace, and God delivered them. Not even one hair on their head was singed. They didn't even smell like smoke. And Daniel comes out of the lion's den we saw last week. Not one claw mark on him. He didn't even smell like kitty cat. How about that? He's in there. He's just resting. The the lion inhale, exhale, the purr of the lion. He's just relaxing, getting a massage. It's so great because God's taking care of him. Prayer. We're going to talk about prayer today and some steps that you can use. Daniel chapter 9, if you brought your Bible. If you don't, don't worry. We're going to have the verses on the screen. The first thing as we jump right in is that we allow God to speak to us before we speak to him. A lot of times we jump into our prayer. Okay, God, here, here I, got, I got 90 seconds, Lord. Here's what I need, and I need it now, right? But Daniel teaches us that we should be still as the psalmist said, and know that he's God. Just be quiet. Just listen. Is there anything, God, you want me to say? Sometimes before I spend extended time in prayer, I'll just let you in on a 
little tip that I do. I ask God if there's anyone he wants me to pray for before I pray for myself. Come on. That's called service before self. Some of you understand that. And you know what I do? I said, God, is there anybody? And I will text people, and here's my little byline. I'm praying for you as I hit send. You can steal it if you want. You can use it. I'm praying for you as I hit send. Same with email. I'm praying for you as I hit send. Then you hit that send button, and then you actually actually have to pray. <laughs> you know, I'm praying for you, bro. Praying for your sister. I'm praying for you. And then you don't pray. That's lying. Okay? So here's what I do. I'm praying for you as I hit send. Then I close my eyes, and I pray for that person. Uh, this morning, as I got up early and went over my notes and prayed, there were four pastors that God brought to my heart. And so I texted them. You know, I said, hey, Scott, one guy in the San Fernando Valley, hey, Scott, I'm praying for you as I hit send. May God refresh you. May God uh, anoint you. May God use you. May this be one of your greatest Sundays ever. Uh, send, right? Hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, Steve, one of my other pastor friends down in Oxnard, I'm praying for you this morning. What a great church you lead. You're just a wonderful pastor. If I wasn't at Lompoc Foursquare, I would come and be one of your head ushers. By the way, I'd be a good usher. I just want you to know. Not as good as ours. We have the best ushers in the world here. And I just said that to him, you know, and then I get back from, you know, sure love you, man. You know, isn't that good? So ask God, is there somebody I should be praying for? Be still and listen to him. And maybe what you were going to ask God for he'll take care of already in the listening. Like, don't ask for that. You don't want that. It'll ruin you. You know, somebody prayed the other day, oh, Lord, may I win the lottery. The big Powerball, 98 gazillion trillion million, right? And God whispers, no, that would ruin you. Yeah, he could save you from a lot of pain. So be still and listen to him. We get a front row seat into Daniel's prayer as we pick it up in Daniel 9, verse 1 and 2. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last how long? Am I that bad? I'm sorry. I have that effect on people. It's me, not you, sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you. Well, listen, they knew that they were going to be in Babylonian captivity for how many years? 70. Oh, well, how old was Daniel when he was taken from Jerusalem? 15. He's now 85. By the way, some of you are getting older and you're saying, well, I'm done. I'm done. 85 years old and he's praying with the people of Israel. They want to go back to their homeland, 70 years. Remember, 25% of the population was taken away from Israel and brought to Babylon, 25%. All the beautiful people, all the muscle people, you know, and all the brainiacs, beauty, brains, and brawn. And they were the ones, the best of the best were taken away. And now here he is, and he says, I've got the prophecy of, of Jeremiah that we're going to be here for 70 years. You know what he's doing here? He's listening to God, and it says that he studied the scriptures. Here's, here's Daniel. You want to be a, a faithful person? You want to be successful like Daniel? You got to get in the word. There's no other way to say it, okay? 
uh, less than 23% of Christians open their Bible every day. I want you to be in the upper crust, man. I want you to be in the 1% of Christians. Uh, actually, 3% of Christians polled in North America said they read their Bible every day. 3%. Huh. Is there any wonder why our nation's in the way it is? Come on. How strong are we as Christians? We get stronger when we let the Word of God be a part of our lives. And Daniel models for us that he's listening to God, he's listening for God's Spirit, and he's also staying connected to God's Word. Here's what Jesus said in John 15, 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and what will happen? It'll be, you know how many Christians say this? Jesus said, if I ask whatever I want, I get it. Boy, are they in for a rude awakening. Now, notice what it says. If you remain in me, this is the vine and branches uh, story, and my words, where? Remain in you. See, when, you're, when his word is in you, guess what kind of stuff you ask for? Stuff that he wants, not stuff that you want. All right, I know some of the people are mad, mad at me. You mean I can't get what I want? I can't come to Christ and say, Mercedes? And all of a sudden, Mercedes appears in your driveway. It'll appear, but you got to make the payments. <laughs> and the insurance is high, too. Okay? If you drive a Mercedes, by the way, I'm not picking on you. Uh, okay? I should have said McLaren or something like that. Somebody go, Mac who? Mac Rib? No, McLaren. It's a car. Anyway, <laughs> Jeremiah 29, sorry, and verse 10 and 12, God says this to you, you will be kept in Babylon for 70 years but then I will keep my gracious what? Promise to bring you back to your home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Everybody loves this, Jeremiah 29, 11. We all love this. I have good plans for you, not plans for your disaster. My plans are to give you hope and a future. And most people stop there. Notice what it says. When you pray, I will listen. God, I know you have a hope and a future for me. Yay! Take good care of me, Lord. But listen, listen. When you pray, I will listen. You know how many people believe that God doesn't want to hear them? I've actually sat with gentlemen who've told me this. I don't believe that God really wants to hear me pray, so I don't sing when I come to church. Fact is, I don't sing very well. Why would God want to hear me sing? Well, I asked a gentleman once, why, why do you believe that? And here's what he said. Here's what he said. My dad, growing up, never wanted us to bother him or interrupt him. So if dad was working on files at night, or dad was watching soccer or football, or dad was reading the paper, we were told, don't interrupt dad. Don't speak to dad unless he speaks to you first. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm sorry for you. How did you live in that house? He said, quietly. <laughs> but I, I could have not lived in that. I was too rambunctious to live in that house. I was interrupting my parents all the time. You know what God says? Let me, let me paraphrase the scriptures for you. Interrupt me. I'm running the whole universe, but I will stop when you speak. He inclines his ear, the psalm says, which means he bends down and he cups his ear to hear you. Man, that's, you, should, you should walk out of church today all pumped up like, God wants to hear me, because he does. He longs for you to come and talk to him. What parent that's a functioning parent doesn't want to hear their kid talk to them? How was your day today at school? I don't know. What'd you do? I don't know. Isn't that hard when that happens to you? 
but keep showing up as a parent. I did that when my son was in middle school. How was it today? You rode the big yellow bus. Did you like it? Yeah. What happened? I don't know. What'd you learn in school? Nothing. <laughs> huh? That's good to know our tax dollars are at work, right? I learned nothing. And I kept showing up. And one night, I don't know what it was, it was magic. One night I sat in the bed and I said, Brian, tell me about today. He started going off. Wow. And I heard a lesson, little lesson. Just keep showing up. Just keep showing up and asking. You know what God does? When you wake up in the morning, he goes, look, they're up. You're like, give me to my coffee, right? Look, they're up. He wants to hear you. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hey, God, look what you did today. Some people complicate prayer. They get all King James on us, you know. I've actually sat, I'm serious. I've sat with people who pray, you know. Dear God, thank you. And I sat with other people. Thou great God, I beseech thee in this hour of need and travail. Thou comest to me now. And God's going, who are you? I don't know you, you know? God wants us to listen to him and focus on him and pray. The second thing is focus. Focus your attention on God. By the way, when you speak to someone, here's a law of communication. Look at them. And when someone's speaking to you, look at them. Now, if you're married, guys, let me give you a secret. I'm going to give you a secret. Marital secret. Marital bliss. You ready for this? If your wife's talking to you, look at her. Don't do this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Huh? Because there might be a test. Every once in a while, Debbie does this to me. What did I say? Oh, busted. <laughs> And I make stuff up. She goes, yeah, you're busted. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm doing better at listening. But listen and look. Look at Daniel 9.3. I turn my face to the Lord God doing what? Seeking him. By the way, not seeking his hands. Gimme, gimme, gimme. But seeking his face. Reverence. Worship. Adoration. Lord, I'm seeking you. I want to look into your gaze. I want to see what you're seeing. I want to know what you know. Daniel 9.3 in the New American Standard. So I gave my attention to the Lord to seek him in prayer. Amos 5.4, seek me and you will live. Proverbs 18.17, I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. These are promises. You start seeking God, he'll be there for you. Jeremiah 29, 13, we read earlier, you will find me when you seek me with all your hearts. He's not looking for half-hearted, I did my prayer, Lord, bless my day, bless my journey, bless this bagel and the caffeine I'm about to receive, and uh, help it be a good day. Uh, yeah, amen. No, God says, really? You put your heart into it? He'd rather have your heart, here's what he'd rather have, your honesty. Lord, I have a meeting I'm about to walk into. I did this the other day. Lord, I'm about to walk into this meeting. May the, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in this meeting. And God, where I'm supposed to shut up, remind me. Uh, so I walked in with my notepad and I wrote S-U on top. Shut up. That was code for me, right? Because I talk a lot. I, at least I know I do, you know. And so, so... So I had my pen, you know, and I'm listening to this person talk. I had my pen. And then uh, every once in a while, it would magically move up to the SU like a, you know, stick. I go, oh, thank, thank you, Lord. 
How many of you have gotten in trouble in your life? Wait, wait, wait. There's more to the question. Somebody, ah! I see that hand. Yeah. How many of you have gotten in trouble in life because you didn't seek God first? I know people who have gone into major business deals, didn't even pray about it. Don't sign on a dotted line if you haven't prayed. I know people who haven't read the scripture, you know, and they're about to enter into something. Uh, I know couples, excuse me, who let their emotion and infatuation get ahead of God's wisdom for their life. You know, they went on a date, they jumped in bed together, then they come see the pastor. You know, I guess we got to have something religious, you know. So they come to see me, I go, have you guys prayed about this? Well, we're in love. You don't need to pray when you're in love. Are you kidding me? Huh? I actually told the guy, you're in lust, you're not in love. It's a different word. Still four letters, starts with L, but it's not. Okay, we'll get back to the subject. All right. Hey, number three, share my desires from my heart. This is emotional. Express my desires. It's not memorizing a prayer, you know. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. God's probably saying, really? Have I got to hear that again? You know, rub-a-dub-dub, bless his grub, you know. He gets tired of that. Good God, pass the meat. Good God, let's eat. Come on. But when you pray to God from your heart, listen, listen. It is all right for you to emote, to show your passion. Lord, I'm scared. That's emotional. Years ago, I I sat with a great psychologist, a Christian psychologist. He taught at Fuller Seminary, and he led a class. And here's what he said in all his studies studying Christians all around the world. He said, North American Christians are the worst. I said, worst at what? The worst at grieving, the worst at sharing their honest feelings, the worst at at, at articulating what they're going through because we'll go through something for a season and then we're done. We want to move on so quickly. And here's what he said. He said, I challenge people, first of all, to go to God and open their heart and lay their soul bare before the Lord. And secondly, he said, I challenge them to find somebody they can trust, a confidant, where they can also articulate their feelings and their heart. We're just, well, we, 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 we. listen, God welcomes us. When I read the Psalms, have you ever just read the Psalms? And especially the ones that say, God, let me paraphrase, today is like a day from hell. David, the cords of death are around my throat. The grave is swallowing in on me. That's not pretty language. That's God, I'm just laying myself bare before you. The cords of death in the Hebrew, worthlessness, are around my throat. The grave is swallowing in on on me in the Hebrew, hopelessness, worthless feelings, hopeless feelings from the shepherd, from the king named David, 
God, the world is coming in. Are you there, Lord? Hello, God. Do you even know I exist? That's not some thouest greatest in heaven. That's not Shakespearean. That's real stuff. And I want to challenge you. Listen, I want to challenge you here, those watching online. Don't you dare run from God when you're going through pain and agony and grief and hardship. Just lay your soul bare. If you need to drive out to surf beach and scream at the ocean, go ahead and do it. I give you permission. And if the uh, security forces come and get you, you tell them, you know, Pastor B, I'm their honorary commander. You'll be fine. <laughs> if Lompoc PD stops you, you tell them, Pastor Bernie's our chaplain. That's right. I'm fine. I'm their chaplain. Hey, just go say, God, life, excuse my Latin, life sucks. But you don't. Life is horrible, but you're not. Daniel's saying, God, there are promises that you've given us. Daniel 9, 3, I began pleading with God earnestly in prayer. Some of you aren't very emotional. I get that. Well, get over it. When you go to God, you can cry out in prayer. You can go sit in a park somewhere or sit in your car somewhere or yell or scream at the fog if you want to. He said, I plead earnestly. The word earnestly in the Hebrew without going through a bunch of uh, lexicons or dictionaries. Let me just tell you what it is. To plead earnestly simply means with all my emotion. It's an emotional request. It's a begging God as though there is no other resort. He's the only place I can go to. That's what this means in the Hebrew. I am pleading with you, God, as though there's no one else. The Message Bible says, Daniel 9, 3, I poured out my heart, bearing my soul to God. Question, when was the last time you did that? Here's my soul, Lord, before you. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bearing it out. Jeremiah 50, verse 4 and 5 says, Then my people will join together in tears to seek the Lord. This is the prophecy that Jeremiah gave. Seventy years you'll be away from your homeland. To seek the Lord, and they will ask the way to Jerusalem, and they will start back home again. You know why they had to ask the way home? They haven't been there in 70 years. They forgot to turn. They might go left instead of right. You know, you ever, you ever go back to an area you haven't been to in 20 or 30 or 40 years, if you're that old? You go, ah, it was, used to be a turnoff there, and it's not there anymore. Or you thought it was there, but it's not there because you remembered it wrong. And, and Daniel says, hey, Lord, we're going to do what Jeremiah says. We want you to show us the way home, <laughs> the way back home. You know, side note, and, and, and don't get mad at me, but side note, I think America has lost its way home too. Huh? We, we could pray this. God, show us the way that you want us to walk in. Much like, uh, you know, 1 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people call by my name, will humble themselves and pray. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Oh, by the way, it says, turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I think we need this for our lives. See, godly emotion mixed with true faith will move you to sadness and then to action. You can't pray for your friends and neighbors with a heart of emotion and care and concern and compassion without eventually being moved to action. Jesus says, pray for laborers for the harvest if you pray for laborers long enough, you'll become one. God, go help my neighbor. Somebody needs to help my neighbor, Lord. Lord, my neighbor's in bed. That, Lord, have you seen my neighbor, the condition they're in? 
Yeah. If you pray for them long enough, eventually you'll become part of the solution in their life because it will move you to that. Daniel 9.3 says, I started fasting and went without food to show my sadness. I put on rough clothes and sat in ashes. You know this in Bible times, they put on sackcloth, kind of like a bean sack. And they sat in ashes to show that they were lamenting and that they were, they were grieving, that they were going through something uh, so difficult in their life. But I love that line, he started fasting. You know, fasting is still a spiritual discipline. And it could be fasting from food, so when your tummy growls, you think about God. It could be fasting from uh, internet. Oh, man, that's a fast. That's called withdrawal. It could be fasting from Netflix. I said that at 8 o'clock service. One lady said, no, no. <laughs> I like to Netflix binge, she said. You know, I like to watch. It's just, I watch for days. I don't want to miss anything. I said, wow, that's really good. You know, and if you're a binge watcher, get over it and spend more time with God. I'm just kidding. You do what you want as long as it's good and right, and as long as you're, what you're watching is good and right, okay? Somebody one time said, well, I can watch whatever I want. I'm under grace. I said, sure, as long as we can put it on the screen on Sunday and have you stand under it, let it be, oh, forget it. We're not doing it. All right, all right, sorry, sorry, you know. That's what somebody said one time. It was a pastor. He was preaching. I'll never forget it. We were at a youth camp, and I was one of the students, and he said, you know, someday when you stand before God, everybody's going to get around the screen, the big screen, and they're going to show your life. I said, I don't want to go to heaven. <laughs> I mean, this preacher's view of heaven was there's a big screen up there. They're going to show your life. And then he said, and then, and then the Lord gets to vote on whether or not to let you in based on the movie of your life. So this is no joke. I was like 15. I started looking around for the cameras. <laughs> you know, you start wondering, if, isn't that weird? Listen, God's already seen the movie of your life. You know what he says? If you're in Christ Jesus, you're whiter than the snow. And when you stand before God, I'd love to get find that old preacher and tell him, hey, look, buddy, when I stand before God, he's not playing my movie. He's already seen it. He was not impressed. <laughs> But when I stand before God at the pearly gates, you know, all those stories, right? Who's in the book? and who's not the, You know what, what God's going to say? Hey, there's Jesus again. Right? Aren't we, aren't we, aren't we wearing the righteousness of Christ? When we say, oh, he's made me white as the snow. I died with Christ. I rose again with Christ. Oh, I'm a new, a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away. All things have become new. And when he looks at me, he says, ah, I know his name's Bernard, St. Bernard, but, but I see Christ in him. I see my reflection in him. Enter your reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. And you and I will be looking at other, each other when Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. And you know what we'll be saying? That's not true. We weren't that faithful. Come on. We weren't that good. But don't tell him. He thinks we are. Right? You know why? Because he sees Christ in us. That's the difference. That's the promise. Hey, number four, be grateful to God for his love and his promises. See, in the middle of whatever you're facing, hold on to his love and to his promises. See, for a believer, gratitude is an attitude of your entire life. 
If you have to wait for something good to happen, for you to be happy, it's not going to go well with you. Because if your happiness is based on happenings, you have a problem. We should just be happy because why? It's the day he made. We're going to rejoice and be glad. For a believer, gratitude is an attitude of your entire life. Lord, things are not going well, okay? Life sucks right now, God, but you don't. And what? Watch. You're faithful. You're true. I love God. No matter what I see, no matter what I sense, no matter what anybody says about me, no matter what that Facebook post said, God, I know who you are, and I believe in you. Daniel 9, 4, then I said, Lord, you are, come on, you are great and awesome, God. By the way, he hasn't yet returned to his homeland. 70 years he's waiting on the promise. Some of you can't wait 70 minutes. Huh? We want it now, you know? People go through the drive-thru. They start getting, you know, about three minutes. They start getting upset, you know? You always fulfill your, come on, your promises. I've been waiting 70 years, Lord. 70 years, years, years. Constant love to those who love you and keep your commands. There's your key. This is part of his prayer. God, I'm worshiping you. You always keep your commands. Daniel 9.9, even though we have rebelled against you, isn't it interesting? He never rebelled. He never denied God. He never denied his faith. He never rebelled against God, yet he takes ownership in the we. When you pray to the Lord uh, about your community, about America, you could say, Lord, we have sinned against you. Lord, we have violated you. You take ownership of it in that sense, and we have rebelled against you. You, Lord, are, come on, merciful and forgiving. I love that. Earlier in prayer today, I said, you confess your sin to God. Why? Because because of this. He's loving, he's merciful, and he's forgiving. And number five, in that, you humbly come and confess your sin, because God responds well to humility. He doesn't respond well to arrogance. He doesn't come and, and forgive people who come with arrogance and say, Lord, I'm really not that bad, right? By the way, to confess, you know what confess means, right? To say the same thing, to say the exact same thing. So if you lied yesterday at 4 o'clock, you go to God and you say, Lord, yesterday at 4 o'clock I lied. You're saying the same thing that actually happened. Don't candy coat it. Well, Lord, I told a little exaggeration yesterday. At four. No, if you lied, tell him you lied. If you did something that was, you know exactly what it is. Say the same thing that God saw, that God heard, that God witnessed. We have sinned, verse 5 and 6, and done wrong. We've rebelled against you and ignored your commands and rejected your laws. That's why they're in Babylon. Remember, God gave the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar victory over the Israelites, allowed them to destroy the temple in Jerusalem, all because they had rebelled against God, and God warned them and warned them and warned them, and they kept rebelling. We have rebelled against you and ignored your commands and rejected your laws. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets who spoke your messages to our kings and leaders and parents, and to everyone else in the nation. We have sinned and we've done wrong. Call it as it is. Verse 10 of of Daniel 9, we paid no attention to you when you told us how to live. Verse 13 and 14, we kept on sinning, never giving you a second thought, oblivious to your clear warnings. So you had no choice but to let disaster loose on us since we persistently and defiantly ignored you. And then something happened. 
Daniel confesses another area of pain in verse 16. And now all the other nations mock us. Does this sound vaguely familiar to anybody? Now the other nations mock us. Daniel says, we, we don't deserve these blessings, but we cast ourselves, Daniel says, on the grace of God. And last, keep on praying and watch and listen for God's response. I think sometimes when we pray, we forget what we prayed. Have you ever prayed something a year ago and you forgot it by now? I think when you're praying a big prayer, you should write it down in a journal. Write down the theme of what you're praying. God, I'm praying that you will, that you'll do this, that you'll do it. And just write it down and put a date on it. Notice what he does in verse 20 and 23. He says, while I kept on praying and confessing my sin and the sins of my people and pleading with the Lord, suddenly, who came? The angel Gabriel. You remember him? How about Jesus and his birth? It was the angel Gabriel that came and announced. The same angel. Isn't this cool? Daniel in a connection, 18 generations later, 18 generations when the, the wise men came from the east, they guess where they came from? They came from Babylon. Many of them have been impacted by the faith of Daniel. And now they're coming to see the Christ child. And it was Gabriel who appeared in a vision and said, Daniel, I've been sent to help you understand what? God's plan. The moment you began praying, an answer was given. By the way, what's the answer, Lord? Come on, you want to know, right? And I'm here to tell it to you for... Oh, remember how I started? There's people who are afraid to go to God. God doesn't want to hear you pray. Guess what? Daniel, we've heard your prayer. And before we tell you the whole answer, that you're going to be brought back to Jerusalem, we want you to know something. God loves you very much. That's my PS today, my parting shot. God loves you very much. That's his answer to you, that he cares about you. That's why he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for you, to live in your heart. That's why when we prayed today, we said, God, fill us afresh with your spirit and with your power. Because why? He loves us very much. Listen, no one is excluded from talking to God and having God talk to them. A few weeks ago, somebody asked me, they said, you made a mention about hearing the whisper from God. I've never heard God's voice. I said, well, have you stopped long enough to listen? They said, well, I probably could do better. I said, well, number one, you probably need some space. You got to put down your phone. I know your hand will shake when you put it down, but put, put, put down your phone and, and disconnect from life for a moment and focus on God. And somebody said, then what do I do? I said, well, ask him a question. You ready? Ask him a question. Do you love me, Lord? And just listen. Now, everyone in here knows that God loves them. Some of you can't receive his love because you, 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 you feel insecure in your place or maybe you don't feel like God would want you. But you ask him the question, Lord, do you love me? And then guess what? The next day you come back and ask him again. And keep asking. 
See, sometimes God will speak to you through the words where he breathed on these pages. When we read them, they come from there to here and then to now, and they touch our hearts. Sometimes I'll be reading the scripture and I'll go, man, this was written just for me. You know, millions of other people read the same passage and it was just for them. Sometimes this is how God speaks to us. Sometimes, well, I don't know if you ever had a song stuck in your head. You ever had one you couldn't get rid of? Come on. You heard it on the radio and it, it, got stuck, it got stuck in your head and you couldn't get rid of it, you know? A couple of weeks ago, remember in this service, I had Raymond, uh, the two young youth kids, and, and, and he, I said, can you sing? Were you here for that? Yeah, and he sang, you know, I'm still standing better than I am. I had that song stuck in my head all week. You ever had a song stuck in your head? Come on, am I the only one? Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes that's how God speaks to you. When I close my eyes before I go to sleep at night, I can hear a whole orchestra in my head. I can go into the oboe section and hear them playing their part. I can go back to the timpani, the kettle drum, boom, 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 and I can hear that. I can go to the tuba, and I can hear that. I don't know what to do with it, but I can hear it. Huh? Well, that's how God speaks to me, like a song in my head. It may not be that way for you. It may be God speaks to you by just giving you something called the peace of Christ that guards your heart and mind. You ask God something, and all of a sudden, you feel a sense of peace. I'm going to challenge you this week if you've not heard his voice, to simply ask him, Lord, do you love me? And then to put a PS on it after about day three, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. In other words, I'll do whatever you say, God, what I hear you say. Yeah. You ever had an impulse, like to share his love with someone, and you didn't do it? If you do that long enough, eventually your receiver to hear his voice and spirit He'll stop talking to you. He goes, well, what's the use? They're not going to do what I say. But if you respond, like, share love. I had somebody ask me recently. They said, you know, I, I keep hearing this, this voice, like I'm supposed to go to my neighbor. And, and I said, what do you do? Well, I don't know. I've got to really see if it's the Lord or not. Hey, I got a verse. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Love your neighbor as yourself. Share the love of Christ. Be generous. Oh, I don't know if it's God's will. Sure, it's God's will. The devil will never tell you to go to your neighbor and be nice. <laughs> he won't. I wonder if I should pay for that person's meal. I, I feel compelled, but oh, it must just be my flesh. <laughs> What's the worst thing that can happen? And what if it's the whisper of God and you obey him? Then you know what he says? Ah, I'll whisper another time and see what you do. And then pretty soon your life is an adventure. It's like when you start to pray, God, who should I pray for? And you bring somebody to mind. The devil's not going to bring somebody to mind to pray for. Let me just tell you. And your flesh isn't even that good. When God says, hey, pray for Pastor Scott or pray for Pastor Steve, man, I'm, I'm on it. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.